What's up, everybody? Welcome to a quickly, quickly turned around, boot up the LSU basketball podcast. I'm Cody Warsham, digital media reporter. Coming to you on Monday morning about, let's do the math here, nine hours before LSU and Michigan tip off. But I wanted to get a podcast out before that game because you know what? It's March and it's special that LSU gets to be in this spot playing for a second berth in the Sweet 16 in as many NCAA tournaments. And I want to start there. But before we talk about Cam Thomas and Andre Hyatt, the win over St. Bonaventure preview, very quickly, the game against Michigan tonight, I want to talk about the feeling that you're feeling right now as you're listening to this podcast. It's a special feeling, and it's one that I know personally that I haven't felt a ton in my life, uh, specifically as it relates to LSU basketball. This is what makes March special. The the hope you're feeling, the anticipation you're feeling, the excitement, the butterflies, the fact that you've been thinking about this game ever since the clock hit zero on Saturday against St. Bonaventure and thinking about the potential of LSU winning and the matchups that could happen if they win and the feeling that it would be to, to get in the Sweet 16 and, and, and the possibility of going even further beyond that. That's what March is all about. And for LSU basketball fans over the years, it hasn't necessarily been like that every year. It's been so inconsistent. I did the, the the quick math after the game. This is just from 2007 to 2018. LSU made two NCAA tournament appearances and won a single game in the NCAA tournament. That's 12 seasons, if I'm doing the math right in my head, where only two of them you had this feeling. Ten of them you couldn't even relate to it. And it was similar before that, too. Like Take out the 2006 Final Four run, and I'm not saying discounted. I'm just saying take it out of this particular equation – Take out the, was it the 1999 Sweet 16 run with Stromile and Jabari? And LSU's March success has been limited since really the early 90s. Since that 1986 Final Four, LSU really hasn't made that kind of run in the NCAA tournament besides 2006, of course, and besides 1999. And those were so spaced out that you never got used to this feeling as an LSU basketball fan. You never got used to this kind of hope, this kind of anticipation, the possibilities that await in March. And that's what makes March special. And what's really cool about what's going on right now is this is becoming a regularly occurring event for LSU. Last year, they would have very much been in this kind of mix. They would have been an eight or nine seed last year if the tournament hadn't gotten canceled and they would have had a chance to to win the first game and play for the Sweet 16 in the second game. The year before that, the last time there was an NCAA tournament, this is where LSU was, playing for the Sweet 16, Tremont Waters buzzer beater to, to advance into the Sweet 16. 
those kinds of things stick with you forever. And the feeling and the hope and the excitement is, uh, is, is great. But for LSU fans, it was always so rare, and now it's becoming regular. And that's really exciting. And that's a testament to Will Wade and his program building this kind of consistency. So sink into that, sink into that feeling, sink into that moment, sink into today, regardless of the result. And look, I, I like LSU's chances and hope they win, obviously. But this feeling, this anticipation, even when even when you make the tournament and lose that first game, you don't really get that feeling, right? It, it feels like you just showed up and you didn't even have time to unpack your bags, and then you're heading back home. Winning that first game like LSU did against St. Bonaventure gives you this feeling that you get right now. So it's not necessarily just about making the tournament. It's about winning and, and sustaining success in the tournament, and that's what LSU's done. So kudos to Will Wade and his team um, for the consistency, and kudos to the win that they got against St. Bonaventure. I want to talk about that really quick before we talk about the Michigan matchup. Uh, LSU beat St. Bonaventure. Let me pull up my box score here. 79-61. Uh, a slow start. Excuse me, 76-61. I'm, I'm really bad with scores. Apologies. 76-61 in a game that started slow for LSU offensively, but they, they got it done defensively because, as we all expected, right, LSU was going to carry through March on the back of its defense. That's how it's going to be, apparently. Uh, but that's what LSU did against St. Bonaventure. The, the switching defense that LSU's employed all season really gave St. Bonaventure a screen-heavy, slow, set-based, deliberate offense. A lot of troubles because they couldn't create the angles, the spacing that they wanted in their screen game. And LSU was able to contest a bunch of shots. And LSU was able to, very, very importantly, rebound a bunch of misses. And as a result, they moved past St. Bonaventure. I want to I highlight a couple standout individual performances um, based on that game and, and, and how I think they might project moving forward. And I'm not going to start in the obvious place. I'm going to start in a less obvious place, uh, but probably a place that you would have guessed if you've listened to this podcast. I want to start with Darius Days. Darius Days had 13 points. I believe he finished with 11 rebounds, 12 rebounds. He had he had a double-double, whatever. Here, here, I got the box score here. 11 rebounds. So Darius Days had 13 points, 11 rebounds, stayed out of foul trouble for the most part, <laughs> stayed in the game, stayed on the floor. Um, and when LSU gets that kind of performance out of Days, they win. I think if he scores 11 points or more, that's the stat, right? LSU's undefeated this year. He got to 13, and LSU was able to win. So that was important. I think Trenton Watford also getting a double-double was huge, especially the 11 defensive rebounds. Uh, LSU grabbed 50, excuse me, 49 rebounds to St. Bonaventure's 30. That's just not something LSU's done all season, and they were able to do that thanks to Days and Watford, really doing the dirty work inside. Not their, um, their, their sexiest games, if you will, not their most highlight-studded games, but just really solid performances from both of them. Now I'll go to the obvious place, and we'll talk about Andre Hyatt, who had his best game as an LSU Tiger, Bar none, very obviously, had 13 points, 10 rebounds, a couple of assists, four blocks, a steal, and 32 minutes. He was a game high, plus 16. Hyatt is, is such an interesting case for LSU because I think if you go back to the end of last season, there were people wondering if he would be back on the team this year, right? LSU fans were, were speculating he might not be back because they might recruit over him, and um, but he stuck around, and there's a reason that he stuck around, and, and you saw it. Saturday, and it's not so much the double-double, which was great. It's not so much the four blocks, which was awesome. It's not so much the seven offensive rebounds, which were fantastic. Hyatt gives you things, especially lately, since he's emerged back in the starting lineup since, what was it, after the Alabama loss, Hyatt's been back in the lineup. And LSU, since that uh, since that time, is 8-3, and three, and their only losses are to Alabama in the SEC tournament, to Arkansas on the road, and then that, that loss at Georgia – but since Hyatt's come back in, LSU's kind of the, the trajectory of their season has changed. They had lost four or five before that. They've heated up since then. They've played a lot better. And it's because of the things that Hyatt gives you intangibly. The tangibles were obvious on Saturday. Like I said, all, all the stats that stood out. 
but he is such a good fit when he's playing well, and he's been playing well lately. He's such a good fit with that big four, with Trenton Watford, Javante Smart, Cam Thomas, Darius Days. They're all high-usage players. They're all guys who need the ball in their hands to, to be successful, or, or, or like to, I shouldn't say that, they all play well off the ball, but they're guys that are high-usage players, all of them. And so when you're looking for a fifth piece, you're looking for a complementary piece. You're looking for a guy that moves the ball, that plays with high IQ, that's in the right place, that can guard, that can knock down an open shot if he needs to. And Andre Hyatt has done all of those things and more lately. Here's Will Wade talking about the performance of Andre Hyatt against St. Bonaventure. Yeah, I mean, what you saw today, I mean, that's what we see every day in practice, and he actually shoots it really, really well. Um, but, you know, I trust him. He's, he's steady. You know where he's going to be. And this is why, you know, as a coach, you stick with guys. We, we, we went away from him a little bit there in the middle of the year, but he earned that starting spot. It's not like we just, you know, hand out starting spots like Halloween candy or something on Halloween. You show up and you get it. But, I mean, he had earned it. He had earned it in his preseason and how hard he worked. And, you know, as a head coach, I, I trust that, and we trust that. And, um, you know, he came up he came up huge for us. He came up huge for us against Alabama. He came up huge for us in, 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 uh, in this game here, and that's why, you, uh, that's why you stick with guys. Since Hyatt was reintroduced in the starting lineup after that Alabama loss against Mississippi State on February 10th, I want to give you some numbers just to, just to look at. When he's on the floor, LSU scores 117 points per 100 possessions. When he's off the floor, they score 107. So they're they're scoring 10 more points per possession, uh, per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. Defensively, since that that time frame, when Hyatt's on the floor, LSU gives up 103 points per 100 possessions. When he's off the floor, they give up 104. So in total, let's do the math. LSU's outscoring opponents by 14 points per 100 possessions when Hyatt is on the floor. That's the second most, second highest figure of any player during that stretch. The highest is actually Joshua Blanc, who, who's who's played really well for LSU in that stretch too. He's at plus 21 uh, when, when he's on the floor and minus one when he's off the floor. But but a, a credit to Hyatt, who since coming back in the lineup, and, and the differences are, are very evident, um, the contribution he's made. LSU's turning the ball over only 11% of the time when he's on the floor. Um, I think very, very evident was the offensive rebounding uh, on Saturday that he gave you seven offensive rebounds. They're getting about uh, their, their offensive rebounding percentage is at 34% when he's on the floor. It's only 30% when he's off the floor. So he, he's he's making a, a, a real difference um, in, in the team. They're shooting 36% from three when he's on the floor, 34% when he's off. So everything's just a little bit better with Hyatt in there. He's, he's been a glue guy. Um, looking forward to Michigan. I, I don't think Andre Hyatt's going to get another double-double or and, and add four blocks and a steal and, and you know post the stats that he, he did and the opening game, but I don't think he's going to need to. I think he's going to just need to be the ball mover, the the high IQ player that's in the right spot that can switch defensively. I think he's still got an important role to play whether or not he scores. What I was most impressed with with St. Bonaventure was his his IQ was on display. Early on, and this is what teams have started doing with LSU, they're targeting the fifth guy, right? So whoever's on the floor with the big four, they're targeting that guy and, and saying, you beat us, you beat us, right? And in the SEC tournament, we saw it with some with Eric Gaines where they just left Gaines. Arkansas did this a bunch, doubled the ball, and then rotated behind it. And Gaines did a pretty good job of finding space and and and, um, and, and making plays there. With Hyatt, it was more they were just sagging off of him, giving him a lot of space, crowding the paint, mucking it up, making the driving lanes hard for LSU. So LSU settled for... Uh, a bunch of, of jump shots early, and then Hyatt figured it out. I think he took one or two jumpers early, missed them, and then he just started backing down in the paint. And he wasn't backing down in the paint 
to create his own shot necessarily, although a couple times he did, or he would miss it and go put it back in, getting those offensive rebounds. He was backing out in the paint to collapse the defense and kick it out. And that's when you started seeing other guys get space and make plays. And it's just a testament to his IQ. He figured it out on the fly. He didn't play into what the defense wanted to do. So many times when guys get in that spot, they just give into what the defense wants. Oh, they're sagging off me. I'm going to fire up a couple threes here and hope they go in. He didn't do that. He, he, he decided, look, this is what they're trying to take away. I'm going to go get it anyway. They're trying to take away the paint. I'm going to go get in the paint anyway. I'm going to go make an impact on the game and other places. And then after that, the shot started falling. He hit a big three and made a couple shots around the rim and, and got LSU going. And then from there, it was uh, it, it was done. It was done and dusted. Um, so credit to Hyatt for getting them going. The guy who, who really closed things off for LSU, though, was Cam Thomas. And it's, it's no surprise. I've talked about Cam Time and time again, how I think he's he's built for this time of year, and and then he goes out there in the first half and shoots one of eight, and I'm kind of looking at myself like, man, that was a that was a really dumb take. Apparently, you were you were overhyped what this kid was going to do in March, and lo and behold, as soon as I doubted him, Cam Thomas exploded, and especially in the second half, twenty points, six of ten shooting from the field, two of four from three. Uh, I don't have the free. I think it was six of seven from the line in the second half electric dynamic hit the big threes did, did everything that you would want to I mean when anytime you're scoring 20 points in the second half on 10 shots you're doing it efficiently he played 39 minutes he was plus 16 to match Hyatt for the best individual plus minus in the game and, and what I thought Cam did best of probably any game this season was his, his shot wasn't falling and he, he started attacking the rim started attacking the rim but he was attacking the rim as a playmaker he finished with three assists to match the team high just one turnover. LSU put him in the pick and roll, and he was driving and dishing. And in addition to those those three assists, he probably had four, three or four, where he passed and a guy got fouled and went to the free throw line. So it's 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 three assists on the stat sheet, but he probably created opportunities for others twice that many times, if not more. There was a, a great stat I think in the second half where Cam had assisted or, or scored on like thirteen of LSU's fifteen points. He's the kind of guy that can take over a game. Whether he does it, and the, the number that I keep throwing out there is he hasn't gone 8 of 10 from 3 yet this year, and maybe he's due for that. Maybe not. Maybe because he takes so many tough threes, he's not going to have an 8 of 10 from 3 kind of game against Michigan. But he can take over a game, which is exactly what he did against St. Bonaventure. I hope he can do it against Michigan, too. That's the kind of guy that gets you in March. That's the kind of guy that gets you through March. Is you have the role player that steps up. Andre Hyatt did it. You have all your guys do what they normally do. LSU had that for the most part against St. Bonaventure. And then you have the takeover guy takeover. That's exactly what Cam Thomas did. Um, re- really, really exciting to see him step into that role, take over a game like like he's capable of doing, be a March star. March stars, we always remember them. They always stand out to us in history. Um, LSU's had those guys in the past, kind of. It, it, it's been more – I mean, Jabari Smith and, and Stromile Swift in 99 were, were kind of that – in 2006, Daryl Mitchell had some big games. Glenn Davis had some big games. But those were all kind of collective efforts. And this will be the same. This, if LSU is going to make a run this year, it will be a collective effort. But they haven't had the guy of the pedigree of Cam Thomas putting up the big numbers, carrying them through March offensively. And I'll be, I'll be interested to see how Cam plays against Michigan and if he can replicate some of that and and do that electric stuff that you know that, that gets the announcers going it gets all eyes on on the game it it um it, it, it leads I guess it doesn't lead sports center because they can't play the highlights on sports center but it's it's sort of that those singular performances that you talk about and that's what it makes LSU dangerous is because they can beat you with the collective team effort like they've done in the past um, with with balanced efforts and and you know six seven tight rotations like they did in 06 like they're doing now 
where those guys just kind of beat you with with their their quality and you're not so much concerned about depth. But now Cam kind of gives you that dynamism. He gives you that Kimba Walker, that Jimmer Fredette, that Steph Curry element of, man, this guy can take over a game at any time. And he did that against St. Bonaventure, especially in the second half. It was exciting to watch. Uh, it was electric to, to witness. And uh, hopefully he can do it again against Michigan, which brings me to the opportunity to start talking about Michigan. Uh, tough matchup for LSU for, for very obvious reasons. Uh, getting a one seed, this is where getting the eight seed, and I think we saw after that first game LSU was absolutely underseeded, makes it a little bit tougher. Um, the, the, the benefit, I guess, here is that of all the one seeds, Michigan might be the most vulnerable. Uh, Isaiah Livers is, is out for them. He was a, a huge part of their success this year, a 6'7 swing guy that, that hit 43% from three. Um, he's been out, I think, for the last three or four games. Um, I don't remember the specificity of his injury, but it, he, he may be able to come back if they make a run. He won't be available for this game. And so that, that chops an already tight rotation down. They don't use many bench minutes at all. They're 314th in the country in bench minutes. So they're, they're going to chop that rotation down uh, a little bit. And, and Michigan struggled without him. They've struggled a little bit down the stretch here. And I say struggled as much as a 21-4 and four team can struggle. But they've uh, they've lost three of their, their four losses have come since March started. They lost to Illinois, got blown out um, by Illinois. Um, they lost to Michigan State. And then they lost to Ohio State in the conference tournament. And so they're struggling a little bit. And then I think you're also seeing the struggles of the Big Ten on display. I don't have the the numbers in front of me, but I, I know you've seen a lot of Big Ten Big Ten teams fall in the tournament already. Illinois is out, Ohio State's out, Rush, Rutgers went out, um, Purdue went out already. Um, you're seeing the, the 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 Big Ten struggle a little bit in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. So I'm wondering if that's something that bodes well for LSU, regardless of of how Michigan's playing, regardless of uh, how LSU's playing, even. And regardless of how the Big Ten is playing, for sure, still a very, very tough matchup for LSU. And I think it, it very obviously starts with Hunter Dickinson, Michigan's big man in the middle. He's number eight in uh, in, in the Ken Palm Player of the Year rankings. Uh, his his raw stats, I don't think, are, are mind-blowing. He's averaging like 15.7 rebounds, but he's doing it very efficiently. Everything that they do runs through him. Here's Will Wade talking about Hunter Dickinson, the matchup problems that he could pose for LSU, who does not have a seven foot one, 255-pound guy like Hunter Dickinson, to match up against Hunter Dickinson. Hey, Wills. Andrew Kahn with Ann Arbor News, Michigan. Uh, yeah, for someone who hasn't seen your team play too much this year, I'm sure you're not going to give me the, the game plan, but can you speak to how you know you see the matchup with Dickinson inside going, just given you know his size and, and skill down there? Like, yeah. Not well. No one says it more succinctly than Will Wade. Um, Dickinson is is... is the, uh, the the straw that stirs the drink for Michigan, um, despite his numbers not being audacious. I think if you look at his scoring games the last few games, he hadn't scored 20 points since um, – oh, I'm looking at it backwards. He scored 21 against Ohio State, but he had 16 against Texas Southern. He only had six against Maryland, 12 against Michigan State, 14 uh, against Michigan State right before that, six against Illinois. But prior to that Ohio State loss, he hadn't scored 20 since uh, February 21st against Ohio State. So he's not a, he's not a volume scorer. But he is a guy that everything kind of goes through um, through Michigan. You can kind of see that through some of his turnover numbers. He had six turnovers against Texas Southern. He had six against Michigan State on March 4th. So the offense runs through him. And it's going to be interesting to see how LSU tries to counteract that because they don't necessarily have the seven foot one body, or certainly they don't have that body that's played a lot for them when you look at Trenton Wofford, Darius Days. But those guys are, you know, six, eight, six, seven. 
that's LSU's go-to bigs, and they haven't really played a whole lot of bigs off the bench other than Josh LeBlanc, who is, you know, six, probably six, seven, six, eight himself, but long-armed, but still not, again, not seven foot one. There is maybe a wild card that LSU could play that we'll talk about in a second, but I think their game plan will focus first and foremost on trying to keep the ball out of the post. We've got to somehow keep the ball out of the post um, because when they get it in the post, not, not only do they have high quality scoring opportunities, they're going to get the offensive rebound. And then it's just a matter of whether they make it or we foul them, you know, which way. And, and you know, all five of their starters shoot 70, I think 77 plus percent from the free throw line. So they're all very, very good, uh, very, very good free throw shooters. And so you know, we've got to find a way to keep that thing out of the post, keep them from getting deep position and, and keep them from um, being able to move or maneuver down there in the restricted area. The matchup that I go back to that that I would compare it to is is when LSU played Florida earlier in the year and Colin Castleton just feasted against LSU. Only played 19 minutes, but had 21 points, six rebounds, got a bunch of stuff in the paint. And as Will said, when you get it in the paint, even if you miss it, you're either going to offensive rebound it, which Florida did 13 times, 43% of their possessions, way, 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 way too high for LSU, or they're going to get fouled, which they did a bunch and. 2023 from the free throw line that's that's a recipe for disaster for LSU so as he said the key the first key is gonna be keeping the ball out of the post because what Michigan's gonna do is they're gonna run cross screen action for Castleton and the uh, not Castleton look there I go Dickinson in the post and they're gonna feed it to him and then he's gonna play off of that and he's either gonna he's either gonna post it up and, and try to get something for himself or kick it out and get the ball moving they can also run some pick and roll action through Mike Smith who, who's their point guard who's um, exceptional shooting 44 percent from three this year I think right around five assists a game. His assist rate is high. His turnover rate is low. So he, he can kind of get in the paint and, and spray it out to their shooters. Uh, uh, Franz Wagner hits 38% from three. Smith hits 43% from three. Brandon Johns hadn't shot a bunch of threes, but he's shot 41%. Chauncey Brown shoots 39%. Eli Brooks shoots 39%. I mean, they're they're dynamic from three-point. They're uh, 11th in the country shooting 38.5% as a team. So that's they are a dribble penetration team through Mike Smith, but they're a, a penetration through the pass team through Dickinson first and foremost. And so you have to deny the post. And I'd be curious to see how Will Wade does that. Um, there's a couple ways to keep the ball out of the post. One, you just provide elite ball pressure and don't let the ball get entered into the post by getting in the, the, the face of the guy you're guarding. And LSU can do that a little bit with their switching defense. They can exert a little bit of ball pressure. Um, and if that guy's sitting there on the block, you're less less susceptible to, to dribble penetration. So you can get out there and extend and, and deny the post that way a little bit. You can front the post, which I think LSU will probably try with, with Darius Days quite a bit, front the post, help him behind. Or you can feed it into the post and then double. And that may be the way that LSU goes. They've been they've been exceptional at that this year, actually. They've, they've been a really good doubling the post team and rotating behind it because they already switch everything. Uh, on defense, they're they're very good in rotation behind the first pass, doubling and then rotating behind it. Um, you know, of course, LSU is going to mix in some zone and some trap and some press and all that stuff. And I, th- I think you'll see a lot of a lot of that. Really, it, it's hard to play too much zone against a team that shoots it as well as Michigan. But LSU's matchup zone kind of combats that a little bit. But that that's the ways that you can try to keep it out of the post. And I'll be curious to see how much LSU tries to double the post with with Dickinson. The other thing, the other wild card that LSU could go to, and I think they will go to based on what Darius Days hinted at in his press conference on Sunday, is playing Josh Gray. Uh, Josh Gray, I think you could call him the ultimate wild card. He, he's 6'11", 255. He's the body type you need. Uh, he played a minute against St. Bonaventure in junk time. He played three against Missouri, one against Vanderbilt. 
He hasn't played more than eight minutes all season against Southeastern. He hasn't played more than six minutes uh, since SEC play started. He did that against Mississippi State. He's only played in 10 games all year. This might be a game for Josh Gray. And I could absolutely see Josh Gray being a March darling because of his personality, because of the way he plays, the high-energy way he plays. I think he could introduce a real element of chaos into this game, block a shot, run down the other end, get a put-back dunk, fist pump, start raising the roof, whatever goofy celebration he's going to do because he's kind of a goofy guy. The cameras start loving him. He gives you eight to ten minutes of four points, five rebounds, three fouls, right? I, I could just see him coming in and giving absolute chaos to this game in the attempt to, to neutralize not just Hunter Dickinson, but the the other bigs that, that Michigan has because Dickinson isn't the only one. They've got a couple guys that can go down there and um, Johns can go down there. Austin Davis can go down there. He's 6'10", 250. I mean, even even Wagner is, is 6'9", 220, not necessarily that kind of player. Terrence Williams is 6'7", 240. I mean, they've got big bodies that can go in there and play, Dickinson being the, the foremost of them. I could just see this being an opportunity for Josh Gray. I wouldn't have believed it. I'm telling you, I was. I, th- I think we're all talking about it. I'm sure it's the message board chatter. I'm sure it's stuff that you've been talking about with your friends. Oh, maybe they'll play Josh Gray. I wouldn't have believed they would play Josh Gray. I'd say, no, they're going to stick to what they do. And then Darius Day's, I think, may have tipped LSU's hand a little bit. Definitely, it's going to be a very physical game. You know, it's going to be really, really fun. You know, they have big guys. You know, we have me, Trinidad, and Josh Gray. You know, Josh Gray is going to, you know, help us a lot tomorrow night. You know, I hope he has a great game. Um, like, as I said before, it's going to be a very, very physical game. You know, Dickerson is a, you know, a, a part of big, you know, he, he just like to lay on you, wedge you under, you know, get, you know, deep post position and, you know, do his work inside. So, you know, it's going to be a, you know, a real big challenge for us. You heard it, right? You, you heard the telltale sign. I mean, obviously it was day saying me, Trinan and Josh Gray, but it was the, um, that he said after that, um, you know, that, um, um, that is the um of somebody who said something they weren't supposed to say. I, I know that um. I have two children. I've used that um before in many a conversation with my wife at work, at home, wherever. That um is, oh man, I just said something that I shouldn't have said. How do I transition out of it? And then days went back to saying the same exact thing he said before. Textbook case of somebody giving away a secret. Now, in all seriousness, I, I don't think it's that big of a secret if Josh Gray plays or not. I think Michigan's probably got a game plan for if he comes in. I don't think they're going to game plan around him too much. So I don't know that Darius Days actually gave away that valuable of a secret, but Will Wade is typically one to to play his his hand a little bit closer to the vest regarding personnel, those kinds of decisions. And maybe Josh Gray doesn't play a minute, and maybe I've just wasted five minutes talking about him. I just have a feeling based on that um, and then also reading the tea leaves, reading the room, that Josh Gray has a role to play in this game against Michigan. So we'll see. We'll see. I think he could be a guy that gives you this this huge spark off the bench. I thought Andre Hyatt did that in the first game because what I mean is, and he didn't come off the bench, by that spark, I mean, when teammates see a guy that normally doesn't score or make a huge impact score or make a huge impact, it gets them going. It gets them excited. It gets them fired up. And so I could see Josh Gray coming in and getting a block, getting a dunk, and just lighting the LSU bench on fire and giving them some real real energy and juice. So fingers crossed, hopefully he does come in and make a, a big impact. I think Josh LeBlanc, who I mentioned earlier in his plus minus uh, over the last few games, really since LSU started playing well, I think he's got a huge role to play in this game. Uh, should LSU have to combat some of those big guys inside, I think they're going to need Gray. I think they're going to need LeBlanc to play well. 
And then I think Javante Smart is in for a big game. Javante Smart doesn't typically score in single digits for LSU. I didn't think he played poorly against St. Bonaventure at all. I thought um, no turnovers was was huge for him. It's his first no turnover game maybe of the year. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now. That's the first game he hadn't turned the ball over all year, and it wasn't like he didn't have the ball in his hands. It just wasn't a game that required him to score a bunch. He got in foul trouble early. By the way, I thought Will Wade did a masterful job. I haven't mentioned this yet. A masterful job of handling LSU's rotation in the first half when Smart got a got that ridiculous technical foul. Don't, don't even get me started on that. See Twitter for my explanation on that. And Trent Watford got his second foul. You know, Normally, Will or any coach just sits those two guys. Well, that's not something that LSU can afford to sit two guys. Will did a great job of just rotating those guys in and out, getting gains in there, getting... LeBlanc in there in spots, um, staggering their minutes with with Smart and Watford to make sure that both of those guys could play as many minutes as possible by the end of the game. Javante had played 30 minutes. Trenton had played 31. So the foul trouble didn't affect him too much. Really good job by Will Wade of, uh, of managing that. But I, I think Javante's in for a big game. He, he, he normally, when he has a quieter game, he tends to explode in the next one. He had two against Texas A&M, went for 20 the next night against Florida, um, six against Kentucky, 19 against A&M, and then 29 against Texas Tech in the two games after that. So 10 against uh, Ole Miss earlier in the SEC tournament, 19 the next game, 21 the next game against Alabama. He's the kind of guy that doesn't stay down for long. And as well as he shot it this year, 41% from three, I think his three-point shooting is going to be huge against Michigan. You know, we focus a lot on, on Michigan's offense and running through Dickinson and then all the shooters around them. They're, they're also elite defensively. They're number six in the country in defensive efficiency, number one in the Big Ten in conference play, they slow you down on defense. They grind you out. They f- contest everything. They don't force a bunch of turnovers, which is the one area of their defense that isn't excellent. But everywhere else, and they, they, obviously they don't get a lot of steals in that regard. But they, um, they they force teams to shoot a lot of threes. They contest. Uh, excuse me. They they don't allow teams to shoot a lot of threes. They make you put it on the floor. They don't let you get a lot of assists. But the thing is, that kind of plays into what LSU does. LSU doesn't get a lot of assists. They aren't, they aren't a ball movement team. Um, that they're a pick and roll team, and so I'm curious to see how that that fares uh, against against Michigan. But I, th- I think the way that Michigan shoots from three, LSU is going to have to be very very sharp from three, and Smart's going to be a huge part of that. And I think he's in for a big game. So I'll leave it there. Uh, it's 9:40 right now. I'll try to get this thing posted uh, in the next five minutes, which is irrelevant to you because you're already listening. And in fact, you're done listening. Thank you for listening. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna have it up, and I know it's a, it's short before the game, and and normally I try to give a little bit of headway. But look, it's March. And uh, it's, it's time to celebrate and lean into March. And hopefully this isn't the last episode of the season. Hopefully I'm coming back after uh, LSU knocks off Michigan and we're looking at the rest of the bracket. And you know, maybe LSU is getting prepared for uh, for a big game against Colorado or Florida State. Florida State beat UNC Greensboro. I haven't checked that part of the bracket yet. My bracket's a disaster. I threw it away. But hopefully LSU is gearing up for a big Sweet 16 game, a winnable Sweet 16 game. And then maybe an Elite Eight matchup against Alabama. Could that be in the cards? Texas is gone. They're not in the mix anymore. Who knows? Maybe LSU and Alabama are, are, are set for uh, one more date with Destiny in the Elite Eight. But got to get past Michigan first, a very good Michigan team, and a 6-10 tip-off. Can't wait to watch it. So thanks for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on the next episode of Boot Up, the LSU Basketball Podcast. Now a visit to Kent's Corner, the sports information director for LSU Basketball, Kent Lowe, with Shaq wearing Kent's glasses. And we're using this as a big thank you, not only to Kent, but to everyone, all of the sports information directors and their hard work all year long, all of the years, but especially this one. So good luck and good bowling, Kent Lowe. (laughs) 